Randy D. In your studies journal here at UCLA, has collaborated with Patrick. Patrick has collaborated with the journal, and uh, it's important that we hear from him. Okay, hello, thank you. Um, I too first met Patrick here at the Critical Race Studies Conference in 2011, and at that time, he, I edit the American Indian Culture and Research Journal, and I'm the publications manager for the American Indian Studies Center. And so at that time, he submitted a 55-page article to the journal, which was about double our length limit. And um, I, you know, every article is peer-reviewed, but I allowed it to be published because I really tried and failed to prune any fat from his prose. And so he, he, this sort of interaction sort of set the parameters for our working relationship for the five years to come. After publishing that really lengthy article, he also guest edited a special issue of the Journal on Settler Colonialism, and he published an edited book called The Settler Complex, Recuperating Binarism in Colonial Studies, which is the first day one call. Okay. So, I find it a bit difficult to talk about Patrick because after working with him fairly closely, at least at a distance, you know, I just came to love that guy. Um, his, his, and I'm going to violate the rule by re referring to notes in the spirit of Patrick Wolf, who didn't like following rules himself. Um, his incredible erudition and logical mind was matched by his sort of irrepressible, roguish spirit and his love of wordplay. So every interaction um, became both a challenge and a joy because he tended to resist editorial intrusion on his writing because he was a magnificent writer. And so while he was quite um, serious in his public performances and comportment, he was really rather playful in his one-on-one -on -one communications. Um, and I felt like he used his wit to both entertain and to attain his will. <laughs> and those of you who worked closely with him, maybe editing his work, will probably have shared that same experience. Um, with great charm, he constantly challenged most editing suggestions and any restrictions one tried to impose on his work. And even though he gladly accepted revisions that he recognized as being superior to his original, he always managed to work in a sort of veiled barb in his comments. <laughs> so I offer as an example his request to uh, two peer reviewers who commented on his, for, um, his entire draft for, of his special issue on summer colonialism. And with this, what, these comments were in respect to his introduction, in which he um, asserted the irreducibility of binarism in settler colonial context as a provocation to contemporary scholars who, he claimed, rejected binarism outright. Okay? So the reviewers, naturally, I felt, requested that he cite specific scholars who had rejected binarism. Okay? Here's an example of his response to their request, and it's a little lengthy, okay? First off, for both of them, the only shared criticism that I'm not taking up 
On the questing of citing, listing, naming, etc., specific rejections of binarism, various things. One, it's such a general thing. After all, the whole, po the whole of postmodernism, along with its various post subsets, can be said to be premised on a rejection of binarism, along with and in association with rejections of essentialism, ethnocentrism, etc., that it would be almost redundant to start listing them. My intro isn't an essay in cultural theory. Both reviewers seem to acknowledge this in asking for examples, but at the same time, not questioning the phenom phenomenon's veracity, though one of them suggests Said as an example, when Said's about the only post-colonial scholar not to critique binarism, <laughs> he rather endorsing it in his notion of the contrapunto. Two, my principal basis for making the assertion, as I might quite clear at the outset, is any way ethnographic or autobiographical, to wit, the experience of being challenged as a binarist. Anyone who's been to a conference would recognize what I'm talking about. Three, less specifically, but in my view more importantly, and no doubt they can be forgiven for not realizing, there's an element of provocation in all of this. This collection is intended to start a debate. I think it'll be an important debate about interalia, the particularity of settler colonialism and how that's been overlooked in colonial studies as a whole. And I don't want it reduced to a text exegetical bun fight. <laughs> in short, I'm confident that the problematic can be taken as veridical. In any way, we know full well that it can always be justified if there's a significant challenge. And I'd like to leave this assertion as is. In other, more pedestrian words, don't change a thing. Mm -hmm. And this was in response to one, one request. So even though I agreed with the reviewers, I acquiesced, partly just in joy at watching his mind. Okay. So ironically, however, this, the keen mind, I think, that discerned logical patterns in the chaos of history and current events, um, seemed to apply to his own personal life. Um, his often cited assertion, everybody cites this one, that quote, settler colonialism is a structure, not an event, could be reversed, I think, in, with respect to the last five years of his life. As admitted settler colonial in, an, sorry if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, Orangery land, uh, Patrick's life seemed a series of chaotic events with little outward structure, moving frequently while his burned down house took years to be rebuilt, writing from makeshift tables, traveling worldwide for short-term teaching, research and speaking engagements, and indulging his love of dancing and socializing. In fact, a month before he died, Patrick emailed to say that he was, quote, oiling his eyebrows to go out dancing. And he protested when I admonished him to say, to stay in touch, close touch, regarding the book. Um, he responded, it's summer PG, my initial, PG, <laughs> beaches, surf, picnic, right? Um, nonetheless, through all of this, he managed to write and edit several articles and two books, survived the death of his sister, and the threat of losing his finally newly built, rebuilt house, and he worked through some upheavals in his personal life. So, Patrick deployed his considerable 
considerable weight, not only as a tool of resistance to editorial intrusion, but also as a qualified concession to others' requests. After a detailed exchange about the steps needed to move the book forward, Patrick initially resisted um, asking authors to produce, I asked him to ask authors to give me words and phrases that could be indexed, and we hire an indexer. And um, there were discussions of cost and size and length and all of that. So because one had to wheedle one's way with him to some extent, I just pushed back. He was resisting asking the authors to do this. So I just pushed back by hinting that we were going above and beyond in producing this book. So I wrote, I'm sure you are aware that some publishers are making authors typeset their own book-length manuscripts. To which he replied, I take it you're aware that some authors send PDFs? <laughs> and so then I replied, well, note the words of Jonas Salk, who wrote, quote, the reward for work well done is the opportunity to do more, unquote. Or Herzog, in response to filmmakers asking how we funded his films, quote, if you have a good idea, money will follow you like a common curve. <laughs> Patrick's response, Jack Nicholson, quote, women, they're smarter than us and they don't play fair. <laughs> and finally, I would be remiss in not pointing out Patrick's capacity for clarity and brevity, as witnessed in the brief exchange I'll mention below. In response, he was very um, behind the schedules, very insistent upon my giving him a deadline, a publication deadline. And so in response to his request for a publication date, I demurred by writing in a rush, um, you can just say that the book will be finished later this year and you can give them a revision deadline with a TBD publication date. I'm prepping to teach this morning, so I have to run. He responded, TBD? WTF? Pray <laughs> this acronymate. <laughs> Unquote. Thank you for allowing me to share his words with you. Thank you.